Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver. And our warrior nerd on QCB, Los Angeles, 102.3 FM, Riverside, and 1050 AM, Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Joe Goldberg is back again. I'm in the house, Al. I'm I'm loaded with carbs. I'm back to my grandson's birthday, and that huge chocolate chip cookie cake was saying, eat me. And so I did. And the cupcakes, and the cheesecakes, and the chocolate caramel, and then washing out the pizza. So I am, I've had more carbs in the past 24 hours than I've had in a year. What are you doing? I thought you were off that. I thought you were doing this, I am. this I keto, came. no carb, no sugar. Yeah. You know, you could have had a no sugar cake or pie or something. Yeah, there wasn't an option, so I just decided to stuff my fat face full of as many carbs as I possibly could. And I, then I fell asleep, like a, like a grandfather supposed to, you know. <laughs> Snoring. Let me jump on you, Bapa. Sure, go ahead. I'm, I'm in carb stupor. Knock yourself out, kid. Nice. Nice. Well, and you're in trouble, too, because, you know, I, I the last show we were on, of course, it was all sunny, and you talked me into taking the car out to get it washed. And the moment I – so I wait a couple of days, and I thought it's been sunny every day. So I go out, wash the car, get home, and it starts to rain and snow again. Last night and today it's all cloudy and rain. So it's your fault. It is. It's a causal link between me and the, the government controls the weather, and I was right. in the government. So right. You're supposed last to be able to tell me these. Yeah, I should have, because it was sunny last time we had that conversation, and it is snowing and cold here in the suburbs of Chicago. Right. Thank you very much. So why, why are you doing this? Like why? You're torturing me. Evil. evil. I know. I'm from Iowa. Well, well now, uh, speaking of evil, speaking of <laughs> There's no segue there, Al. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good cut. Thank you. Uh, speaking of evil, we're, we're, we're talking about the people that fight evil. How's that? Dun, da, da, did that work? No. Okay. He's Back. dancing. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got a new book out today. And it's written by the one and only Brittany Butler. And the new book is called The Syndicate Spy. It's a Juliet Arroway novel. Barely say that. I don't know why. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So when you were in school, were you wanting to be a novel writer? Like, I want to write books. I want to write stories. Or were you wanting to be uh, work for policing and law enforcement? Like, what was, what was your head at? Um, when you were doing uh, just out of school and into college. And, and so how did you find this path? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to be in the Foreign Service. So that's what I thought I wanted to do. So I did an internship at the American Embassy in Paris my junior year of college. And that was really instructive for me because I figured out what I didn't want to do, right? And I think that's part of what we do as young people, you know, just trying to figure out, what we want to do and what we don't want to do. And um, I was part of, I worked in the consulate section at the American Embassy in Paris. And part of the job there for the consulate officers, and as an intern there, it was my job, was to run name traces, basically research on the names of 
applicants that were applying for a visa or a passport. And I had a good understanding of Arabic naming conventions because of my degree degree at Florida State. And um, I basically pinpointed this guy that was trying to come into the country that wasn't supposed to be doing that. And this was pretty soon after 9-11. And so we were very sensitive, um, obviously, at that time about people coming into the country that weren't supposed to and that had um, nefarious intentions. And it came to the attention of some of the officers that worked at the embassy there that were undercover um, that I had made this connection. And they suggested to me that I apply to CIA and just go on their website and apply. And so that's what I did. Yeah. And then I just, I got a phone call while I was in college and I, they just started the recruitment process from there where I went in for interviews and, um, you know, first initially I met with an individual, um, near where I was going to school at Florida State in Tallahassee, Florida. And as I kind of passed each level of interviews, um, I was asked to, you know, fly up to DC, do the polygraph, do the subsequent interviews and, found myself sitting in a room with a piece of paper that said, are you willing to commit to 10 years of service as a case officer? And um, so, yeah, it just like, it happened like really quickly. And, you know, I just kind of, things kind of presented themselves to me, but I never initially thought I wanted to be in the CIA or do any kind of secretive work. I knew I wanted to be a part of a mission that was, you know, something really meaningful that I felt like I could have an impact. And this coming right after 9-11, I, like a lot of people um, within my generation that joined the CIA, we felt compelled to do something to stop that from happening again. And so I was really fortunate to have been given the opportunity to work in counterterrorism and be directly a part of that mission. And so I just kind of fell into it, honestly. Did you love it? I did love it. I was really addicted to the work. I think it's something that you're really into or you're not. I mean, for my, for me, I, it was kind of like a drug, like the target. So I was a targeting officer. And what that means is you target individuals for both. So if you're working in the counterterrorism center and the director of operations, you're targeting individuals, um, to help support our kill capture operations in the war zones or you're targeting for recruitment. So you're pinpointing the in individuals that we've surmised have access to, um, you know, foreign intelligence, and you help to present that information to our officers working in the field that are pitching sources. It was really meaningful work, and but very stressful. You know, like I worked in the war zones, and I worked some of the areas. I worked for Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, um, and I was always in counterterrorism. So long days and very stressful, very high intensity, but you really felt like you were a part of something and you were having a direct impact on our counterterrorism efforts. So full disclosure, Brittany and I have sort of the same background, former, former agency turned writer. And so all your, your jargon is just making me shiver with glee. Uh, I was like, wait, yeah, you officer, like get on it. Um, I was a propaganda officer. Yay. You got, you got out after 10 years. You, you resigned nine, nine. Okay. Cause I was, I was there for eight. Why you're, 
in inside, were you thinking writing? Were you thinking stories? Or did that all sort of flood out when he got out? It's like, I got stories to tell now. I got I to gotta get this out of me. Yeah, you know, I it would never seemed interesting to me to like come out and like write a tell all. And that's definitely not what the book is. It's, it's fiction. Um, but of course, you know, and you'll especially see this, that you're, you have an Intel background. You, you come away from the story. Other people say that after they read, they come away from the story with a very strong sense of this person knows what they're talking about. They've been involved in intelligence operations, um, but it's like a fun, interesting story where I'm not trying to go back and debate old wars, you know, that we may or may not have been involved with. I'm I've created this kind of alternative future in, in my book and I'm exploring, you know, I'm di- I'm diving more into the moral dilemmas in espionage and the things that you grapple with as an intelligence officer in terms of you know, the, the the lies we sometimes have to tell these people who agree to work for the U.S. government and say, oh, yeah, you're safe. Well, you know, we'll do everything we can to protect you. And then in the end, you really can't follow through with all those promises. And what does that look like, you know, as a human, you know, us doing that, the, the manipulation and the things that we have to do to do the work of espionage. And I feel like, I have a bit of a unique perspective in that I'm a female, right? And I was working primarily in the Arab world. And so not only was I dealing with a lot of the moral dilemmas and espionage, like what I like to to call it, but then you're also dealing with these guys who don't see you as their equal, that see you as lesser. Um, And, you know, how do you overcome that and establish your authority with sources and detainees that are from such a different background than you are. And um, so I I felt compelled to tell that story when I got out, that just this, you know, what what is what is intelligence work really like for a female? I wanted to shine a light also on the counterterrorism mission and, je- like, specifically, because I think a lot is written about um, the Cold War and, um you know, World War II, there's been a lot of really great books out there about World War II spies and female spies in particular in World War II. But what is being written about the women who have made contributions within the last 20, 30 years to this war that we've been raging on terrorists in the Middle East? And um, so when I actually, when I left, my last assignment at CIA was in CTC, Counterterrorism Center's Afghanistan, Pakistan Division. And I left in 2014. So we're still very heavily involved in Afghanistan. And after I left, I knew I wanted to do something for women's rights in that area. And so I joined an organization called Women for Afghan Women. And I was really um, inspired by a lot of the Afghan women that I worked with. And they they refused to be victimized. They were extremely strong, resilient women that just really wanted the same opportunities that American women had. And um, so in my novel, I, I, I wanted to write, tell two different stories, right? A, the, one, the female perspective in espionage and then a powerful Arab woman. And, and what, what does that look like together in terms of if they were both going to work, if they work together to try to achieve, in my book, they're trying to win this global energy war, what would that look like? And so that's kind of how the story developed and that I wanted to showcase females in intelligence, but then also showcase 
strong Arab women um, and what they're doing to to further what they did to for, further the counterterrorism effort. Last, well, you kind of took my questions. The main themes. What was hard of that? What made that telling that story difficult for you? Um, I think you know it brought up a lot of um, we all. Well, not we all. I, I I can only speak from my own personal experience, but I think that there are demons that you take with you after you leave the intelligence world. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with that or not, but just yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just things that I I don't know if I did everything right, everything I should have done. Right? It's like you come away thinking, God, I should have done more. What if? I mean, particularly I worked Afghanistan, and Pakistan, right? And you look at what's happening with the Taliban and you watch, you know, they're taking all over or they took over Afghanistan again. And as a targeting officer focused on Afghanistan, Pakistan, I'm like, oh, my God, did I do enough? Did I do enough to, you know, help further, you know, women in that area? Like, did I could I have done more that? And then I I had friends that died. I, I had um, two friends that died in Coast and the CIA, CIA um, attack, the suicide attack on the CIA, the CIA base in Coast, and um, right, you know, it's it's very hard when I think about everything that we've gave up for a lot of those conflicts, and what do we have to show for it? Well, how'd you translate those emotions then, those conflicts into the book? How'd you make the characters? Say those things so your readers can have it, can get something out of it. So I think you'll find some similarities and things that have happened in the news and the media, like the coast bombing and what my characters deal with in the book. There's an incident. Uh, there's the, the main character, Juliet Airway. Her father dies in a suicide attack at a, at a CIA base. What, how that motivates her to do the work. I'm kind of looking at, again, this alternative reality this future is where my book is set and i'd be looking at the generation i'm looking at the generation after ours and what if these conflicts are not resolved what if these wars continue and we're back to where we started right after 9/11 and so i'm telling i'm telling like this the story of what that would look like so for instance Darren Labonte was the case officer that I worked with in Jordan who died in the, the attack on CIA base in coast Afghanistan in 2009. And he had a daughter, a two-year-old daughter. And I remember him telling me a couple months before he passed away, I, I really, I, I feel like I'm not totally present and able to be there for my daughter and my wife the way I want to be because of this work. And that kind of haunted me um, because he died, you know, two week, two months later but then also I wanted to kind of write a story like what if she, what if her, his daughter got involved in intelligence operations somehow and what, you know, and that gave me like her motivation um, to basically try to win the war that her dad couldn't stop and that ultimately ca caused him to, to die. Um, so you'll see some of that in the book, some real life experiences from my work at CIA, but told in a like a fictional way. Now, now your your main character there, Juliet. I'm going to say how much of yourself goes into her, but in a different way. I'm going to say because as an, you you talk about uh, your feelings toward the rights of of women, as well as you know a woman being an operative and being that person 
before you have a lot of experience that most people don't have. Were you conscious of writing that sort of torment into Juliet's character in this book? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you can tell through just like what I'm talking about. You know, it's it was therapeutic for me in a way because I was able to get out on the page, create this character, create this world where she's able to achieve equal rights for women in the Middle East. And she's able to do all these things that she 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 set out to do initially. I I think that, you know, and I don't, and again, I would love to hear your perspective on this. Um, oh, yeah. If you ever feel like guilty for leaving the intelligence community and, you know, maybe I should have stayed in longer. And, you know, it's, and but I think, as a month, I have three sons, and for me, it just it got to be too much. Something had to give, and I didn't want my sons to suffer. Like I was okay with my career suffering, but I wasn't okay with them suffering in the sense that I just couldn't be there for them in the way that I wanted to. And obviously, having been so close to the people that died in the coast attack, I knew that it could be me one day. I it could their suicide bomber could drive up to the base and blow me up, and so. I think it really hit home for me and, and like just such a, um, a raw way. And I, that came, I do think that you can feel that and the depth of Juliet's character, just what she has to grapple with in terms of the risks she's taking and how dangerous it is and, um, you know, how she works through some of those things. And so I think you'll find some depth to her character that you might not, you might not read about or see in TV or films that have been done so far about females and intelligence. I think to a large extent we're personified or portrayed as these sexual dominatrixes right. that, <laughs> you know, use sex or our bodies to get information. Red Sparrow. Yeah. Red Sparrow. And I was like, Jason Matthews, like you were in CIA. What are you yeah, doing? Exactly. What the heck yep. was that? I was like, yeah, don't get me started on him. So, yeah, okay. yeah, but I was like, okay, there's so much more to us as intelligence officers. We use the same tradecraft, the same intellect. And you know this, like your first day CIA 101 was like, you don't use sex for information. This is just not something you can ever do. And if you ever get caught doing it, you're out of here. Yep. Yeah. So like, it's just ridiculous. So, and I get it. Like, and I love, I love to watch entertaining things like that, but I also think that, um, you know, there's a way to, to incorporate, and there's a lot of sex in my book. There's a way to incorporate sex, but in like a meaningful, interesting way. Not that like all in female intelligence officers are like these, you know, hoochie mamas. Yeah. So, <laughs> you don't, you, you don't all job. wear big, huge heels. Spike yeah. heels and and leather Come and on. and run around Come like that. You can't, yo, jeez. I did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No, well, no. Could you? Everybody's <laughs> out now. I try to change the subject here back to the book thing before I get myself any deeper. Because I actually just not that anyone cares, but uh, our experiences are very similar. I got out because my wife. I didn't want to travel. She wanted to stay. You know, the whole family connection thing. But I did walk out with a level of guilt. 9-11 happened after I left, and the phone started to ring. Would you go back in? Could you come back? And I, you know, I, I watched my wife's fingernails click like she didn't want to go. But, you know, if they call, you're going, right? Because that's the, that's the, the layer of the out. Does your character, 
live with that guilt, or does that happen to you afterwards? Did you layer that into her arc of her growth during this, the level of the book? What is she looking to get out of it, basically, her, the arc of her book? Yeah, so she's not even where um, you know I'm at yet. She's right, in the yeah. fight. So she hasn't retired. She's And maybe she's doing what I want to be doing. Like, you know, I wish I could do still, which is like still be a part of this mission that's so much larger than me and have this like really meaningful impact or what you feel like is a meaningful impact on um, our foreign intelligence objectives or counterterrorism, whatever. I mean, now I must, and this is not to belittle stay-at-home moms. I think it's the most difficult job there is. But there's also like this part of me that's like, God, I want, I need more. I need more than this. And I need to be intellectually stimulated. And the novel does that for me. It's like I could like live in this world that I do know something about and create these characters and these storylines. But then I can go pick up my kids from school on time. And I don't have to like go to Afghanistan for the week. Well, I'll get the, I'll, I'll get the publications review later. But is there things as you were writing? Um, that you say, no, I don't, I don't think this is going to fly in this book or this kind of book or this, my character wouldn't do that. Or did you sort of self-censor yourself as you're going through, not from the classified, we'll get to that, but just from the, yeah. it didn't make sense from your character's point of view or in the current political environment or whatever it might be. I mean, I definitely make her extremely strong and the Arab, like, so there's two really main characters. So this the American spy, the female spy, Julia Airway. And then Mariam al-Sad, who is this Saudi princess that is just a badass, and I love her. And I I make them extremely powerful in this, that they have no fear. And I don't know if um, it's realistic to think that an Arab woman, especially somebody, a, a member of the Saudi royal family, can could do the things that my character does in this book. I think... To a large extent, they're very silenced and they're not able to speak out in a way that um, they would probably like to. There's been a, there have been one or two women that have come out of the Saudi royal family who've inspired my character, um, Princess Amir Al Tawil. She um, she was she spoke out of, um, against the law um, that prevented women from driving in Saudi Arabia and. So, you know, women like that, I, I really tried to kind of mirror this character after, after. but then, um, as you'll read in the book, the, what she's able to achieve, I, I really hope one day Arab women can, but, um, I don't, I'm not sure how realistic it is. Well, so who's the bad guy in your book? Is it society and the, and the, uh, the, 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 not the anti-woman, but the, the, the women at the fight, you're inside, I guarantee you, you were fighting inside against the male dominated culture. And uh, your, your female characters, what's the enemy? Is it a person that represents that, or what is it? Yes, yeah, so his name is Aziz, and he basically wants to establish the caliphate again. And But it's, a, it's not a religious war. It's more of a war. It's a war on, about energy, about alternative energy. So in this future I've created, oil has run out. And... States are grappling for what's going to be the next alternative energy source. And terrorists are attacking alternative energy sites because 
their goal is to try to monopolize whatever alternative energy they're able to find. They want it for themselves and to gain a monopoly over it in a similar way in which a lot of the Arab world has monopoly on oil today. And so this guy named Aziz, he is a member of the Saudi royal family in my book. And he, um, you know, basically comes out, he's against women's rights. He's all about, um, you know, creating this caliphate that has extremely strict rules about women's dress codes. And he wants to fuel the economic prosperity of the caliphate by monopolizing alternative energy. How far in the future are we? Are you literally, actually, this is 20? 30 years, 34 years. I tried to put like an, an, a date on it, and my editor was like, no, 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 leave it. Yeah, it's called fiction. <laughs> yeah, it's it's out there. I mean, it's like very um, imaginative. But it's also, I think, believable because we are dealing with some of these issues today, and we're you know, looking towards the future. What does alternative energy look like, and what would we do if we didn't have oil? This is going to be a series. So did you have – this all outlined, do you have kind of the structure of the story and what your character is going to go through outlined ahead of time and then you develop the character or did you have your character fully developed and then decide which which things to put her through? Yeah, so I, when I first started writing, I just started writing and that was a mistake. <laughs> I probably wasted a lot of time because I, I did need to outline. I needed to get a better sense for, okay, the character and the plot and the character arc and all the things that you need to do as a novelist. Um, I don't think I really understood the mechanics initially. I just wanted to see if I liked to write, and turned out I did. So then I taught myself to write, and I read a lot of books on the craft, and you know, I went to some seminars and stuff like that. And but most important thing was I just wrote. I just kept writing and I kept on submitting my book, uh, submitting my writing to editors. Um, so I learned a lot through through that process. When, when someone picks up your book, takes it home and reads it, what is it you want to take away from the book? What is it you hope that they get out of the book besides the entertainment? So I think like maybe a deeper understanding about a part of the world that maybe they don't know a whole lot about. Um, I, I really enjoy like visiting different places when I read, like whether if, like, if it's set in, you know, a different country or in, within a different culture, I find that I read a lot uh, or I get a lot out of, um, you know, reading those type of novels. So like spy thrillers in particular, I think are really cool because you get to visit lots of interesting places. So you start off in my um my novel in Europe, and then you're bouncing to Russia, and then you're going to the Middle East, and you're you're getting to see all these really cool, interesting places. Places, honestly, that I want to visit. I that's what I um, I, I bounced around to places I wanted to visit, um, and because I did some research on you know those places, and I had a lot of fun writing about them. But then also, I've always been fascinated by. Um, the, the Arab culture, and I've always wanted to know more. And so, I don't know, I think maybe just like an appreciation for the commonality that exists between cultures, because there's a quote in the book, of course, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's, um, you know, there's this guy named Salman in the book, and he's the Grand Mufti of Saudi Arabia. And basically, he's in charge of like all religious 
edicts on behalf of the Saudi royal family. And so he, he basically, whatever he says goes. And he says to Aziz, the bad guy in the book, listen, you know, Aziz wants to create war. He wants to create chaos with the West or with Christians or whatever. Anyone who's different, Jews, you name it, anyone that's different from how he thinks or what he believes in. And Solomon says to him, listen, we all worship the same God. Why can't we find peace in that? That, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, you know, that is all the same God. Like, why can't we find a way to, um, you know, see the commonalities there and, and have peace? And I just thought that, like, I don't know. I just, I love that message of just, like, we're all wanting the same things basically which is like a better um life for our children we want and we, we want a safe home we want food like like let's find a way to um unite and get over um a lot of our cultural and um religious differences maybe is that theme going to run through the series the sort of there's a better world out there let's keep going for it yeah 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 um i'm really excited about the next book i'm about halfway through it. And the, um, the woman that I talked about, Mary Malsad, she actually, I don't want to spoil it, but you'll, you'll see what the Middle East would look like with a woman in power, which I think is really kind of a cool thing that, um, we haven't seen yet. So go to my air, go back a few, a few decades, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wasn't there a female leader of Pakistan at one point? Yeah, probably. I'm kind of looking at like, so as you'll read in the book, there, um, the global energy war that I've talked about, there's the caliphate, right? They're on one side. And then the syndicate is the other side. And the syndicate is basically this grouping of allied intelligence agencies. So I kind of mirrored it after like what, how CIA operates, right? Because if you think about it, the way we operate, we, we have all these allied intelligence agencies that we work with in the Arab world and elsewhere where we share information, we collaborate on sources, we collaborate on, on operations, and we're all kind of working together. And I've just kind of named it within my novel where it's called the syndicate, and they're all working to make sure that there's like a peaceful way to go about acquiring alternative energy and that they stop the terrorists, otherwise known as Aziz, from launching all these terrorist attacks on alternative energy sites. Do you, do you find it difficult to write from the, um, let's say, the the evil point of view, the, the evil characters in your book? I think those are the most fun. <laughs> very common, very common. Yeah, yeah, I really like, and like, I mean, there's some really violent parts in my book and uh, like a lot of action and stuff, and I, you know, my husband's like, how can you write that? Like, oh my gosh, like what's in your mind? I don't know. I don't know. Like it just, I, I guess it's the creative uh, coming out and, um, you know, with these evil guys, I think it's really interesting to create like, you know, the goal, like the, I'm sure you've heard of like GMCs, the goal, every time you create a character, they have to have a goal, a motivation and a conflict and, you know, diving into what motivated this guy to be this bad or what's he trying to achieve? And let's make him very realistic. What's the conflict going on within him? What, you know, when is he kind of doubting his motives? Um, I think that that can be, that can be the most interesting part of the story is creating the villains. Yeah. But those, those motives, those, the GMC, the, the like, the like are everybody's interaction of every other person. 
So you, you don't have to be a, a, a Saudi prince or a leader of a country or a former agency, an agency person to say, I have these characteristics of, I, you know, that are good and bad within me. And I always find a good terrorism, a good torture seems good for you, my, my relationship, you know, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It brings out the best in my, in my marriage. No, but those, but we, but you have those things in you. And, and, and your husband says, where those come from, they come from the world that you've created. Yeah. yeah. And, and the world that you've created comes from reality. Right. As good and as bad as it might be. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll ask one process question is, is yeah. you, you had to put it through publications review. How, how, did you have any problems with them? No. I mean, any, no, the only thing that I had problems with is, um, I had what I had a, I was asked to do one interview for Foreign Policy Magazine, and I don't know if you guys heard of their I Spy podcast. Yeah. I want you to, you know, tell one um, operational story from your past and whatever. And I sent him one operation, and the, basically the whole thing was redacted. And so, all right, well, never mind. I can't do this. But they have no problem with my fiction book. Exactly. There, there was nothing redacted. Right fiction. They're totally fine. And and that's why I did it too. I like just to you know I didn't want to give away the farm. I wasn't interested in any of that, you know. Yeah, I, I've talked to my nonfiction friends who say they get, they get redacted to death, and the, us fiction people, no sweat. We're totally good. Yeah. yeah. Well, where do your characters come from? Where do, where do they, where did you get them? Do you just dream them up? Do you? And what kind of relationship do you have? And this is kind of a weird question, but a lot of fiction writers will talk about their relationships with their characters as if they're real well i i am hoping my husband will not listen to this podcast now or to this this show but um i i think that any female author who writes a little bit of romance i think you're always kind of like the guy in the book that you're writing you're kind of in love with him a little bit like you kind of you have this relation like you create the the guy of your dreams you know of course my husband's the, the, the guy of my dreams but you know, like it's really fun to create these characters that have the dimension, but then also like and the depth, but then also are like totally hot and like you know six foot four and you know big muscle guy, whatever. Why not? You know. Um, so yeah. But describing me. Yeah, I mean, I that's you. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say I, I, there, there's that. I have the the love interest. Um, and then I've also pulled from people in my life, you know, that um, have inspired me. I mean, I talked about um, the Afghan women that I worked with um, at the Human Rights Organization, like, and Princess Amir Al-Tawil. Like, there are people that, you know, I've drawn from them, real-life people, and created these characters, taken the parts I want to, and made up the rest. And um, I think someone like like Juliet, my heroine, um, of course, I identify with her. Of course, like I, my my father actually passed away whenever I was writing this book, and her dad passes away in the book, and I'm able to communicate in such a raw way that that those feelings. And um, so, of course, like Juliet feels very personal to me because I've infused her with a lot of my emotions. Um, and I think some of my best writing, honestly, was, is, you know, during the heart, some of the hardest times, I think it, um, creates more dimension to, um, to the characters. Well, how much has this book in the writing process of it now, now you're, you're, you've got it published out. Um, how much did that change you? 
It's so nice to have my work be out in the world. I, I have to say that um, it's very scary, but it's also just like really wonderful to have people read it and enjoy it. And that's all I really wanted. I, I just wanted people to be entertained. And when I get back these five-star reviews and just people falling in love with this world I've created and these characters, I'm just so happy that someone likes my nonsense. <laughs> Because cause that means I can keep writing. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really my ultimate goal is I just want to write. And um, so in order to do that, I got to I got to sell it. Right. But and, and but thankfully, it's been really well received and I've gotten amazing reviews. And Kate Quinn is like one of my literary heroes. She just endorsed the book. And um, yeah, so life is good. It feels so good to have it out there. I got a feeling you're being successful. You have a whole new world. You have a no, you have a you have a an angle on a worn out espionage genre. Yeah. All right. The bang bang yeah. guy. Yeah. And you have a, something fresh, mm-hmm. and fresh attracts people who are looking for the next best, the next of. Mm-hmm. And I think it sounds like you've got that. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Thanks. I'm excited. Yeah. Who's gonna play Juliet in the in the movie? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Jessica Chastain. She plays everything like that. She does. <laughs> and that's why I was thinking maybe not her. Um, I'm sure of Dark Dirty <laughs> is like my one of my all-time favorite. I think it's the most realistic um, spy movie out there. But yeah, there's some newcomers. I really love the shows, the Yellowstone shows. So I'm always looking at those new actresses and thinking, ooh, she'd be a good Julia Airway. I think Isabel May was in um, yep. the... The last one, not 1923. 1883. Eight, yeah. She played the daughter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'd like her. I'd like to see her play Juliet. That's a good one. Yeah. See, my character is real. I've got uh, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, I do have Mia. And I, I put actors and actresses to my characters, like like many of us do. Yeah. I don't know if you do that, but I have a Mia Kunis as my one of my characters. Oh, nice. She did She did a spy thing not too long ago. Yeah. Mr. Bean. Yeah, he, he'll be my hero. <laughs> now that's Jake Gyllenhaal or Jeffrey Donovan. I to, yeah. If you know them, let me know because I got I got just the thing for them to do. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, do you do that? Do you put do you put actors and actresses and voices to your characters as you're writing them? Do you say this this person is Isabella May or just no? Not yet. I don't. I honestly, I just signed with a manager and. um the book to film agent and all that. So I did not even, again, I just didn't even think it was a possibility. And they were like, oh, my God, we've got to shop this around in Hollywood. So we just started this process. And they asked me, like, who did you, who would you like? And and then actually we talked about Isabel May. And um, he was like, well, I think she's got, she's she can't do anything right now because she's connected to Yellowstone. She's signed these. So it's, um, we've, we're starting to roll the ball. But there you go. Um, you know, you don't want to necessarily attach, and I'm just learning this too, you don't want to attach a actor or actress to a project too early on because, exactly. like, some networks want to work with A, B, and C actress, but they won't wa- work with that actress. And there's all these, I don't know, my manager knows all this, but I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just like, just sell it. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of politics in it, yeah. but it takes time. It does. You know. Um, but hey, so now here we are. Uh, how do people find Brittany 
Butler. So do you do social media? Do you have TikTok and all that? Do you have a website? And, and how is it you like to interact with your readers? Yeah, I do. I do all of that. I am all over Instagram. I'm at former spy one, the number one. And it's the same handle on TikTok at former spy one, the number one. And I tell a lot of spy stories, actually, um, not classified things, but just like little tidbits about, okay, you know, here's a tactic I learned while working at the CIA that I still use in my everyday life. And, um, you know, I find that people are really interested in that kind of stuff. And yeah, I'm on, I'm on, my website is um, BrittanyCButler.com. And then of course you can buy my book, The Syndicate Spy, everywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, your local bookstore, you name it. Well, perfect. Of course, we'll have all of that up on our website, and people can find you with one click. And and like you said, it's available today. So, but you do oh, do surveillance techniques, don't you? Oh, you still SDR? pay attention. Oh, for Abs- sure. Absolutely. Yes, okay. for sure. All these years later, I just wrote about my blog. You still do. Yep. The sense of is there somebody following me? I know. Coincidence? You know, random. Being followed. You can't you can't shake those type of tactics loose. Well, there you have it. Now we appreciate you being on the show. Now, of course, the book is called The Syndicate Spy, and our guest is the author, Brittany Butler. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.